Welcome to the number one place you should send anyone trying to get out of the rat race and build a little wealth. When you're building your portfolio, starting from the ground floor, you need something different that you never thought you'd have before. A rabbit in the hat called the Not Your Average Investor Show to inspire you, entertain you, and teach you how to grow your dough. Surrounded by a tribe with a vibe you've been seeking for. With people in your corner gonna make you really, really grow. But just how fast you'll grow, how big you'll go, you couldn't possibly know. Not at this point in time. But that's why we're here. Welcome to the Not Your Average Investor Show and Community, where we figured that most of us trying to get out of the rat race need a little bit of education and a lot of friends to help us understand complicated asset classes. And that's what we provide here with a focus on helping you get into one of the greatest long-term risk-adjusted asset classes in the history of investments, rental income properties. But don't hear from me. Join us right now to our live show, Already in Progress. Enjoy. We're officially live on Facebook for the Thursday edition of the Not Your Average Investor Show, the JWB Rental the Property of the Week. Week, 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 week. That's so weak, though. That's so, that week is weak. All what, week. You, you got to come up with a new, that's a new tagline, because that's we'll see. Week, week, we'll week, see. Week, week, week. I, I am your host, Pablo Gonzalez. We don't have GC today, but we have a guest investor. We're going to get to him in a minute. We also have, as always, our community manager, our rock star in the chat, helping everybody out, Madison Lipson. Say hello, Madison. Hello, everybody. Wow, you got it pretty easily there. Right, so right, right off the tongue. I've been practicing. That's I've been practicing. Great. Love that. And oh. our guest investor today is a real estate investor, a former Wall Street stock guy over there in the pit throwing out papers. Uh, he is, he, he's a acquisitions and uh, deal maker guy for the DeRosa group. He's the host of the Market Hunter Thursday with Hervé. He is the one man that in just one moment took me from having a reputation of a guy that can really pronounce last names to a guy that has has no idea what he's doing with anybody's name. I've never been able to get back on my game, but he is Hervé Francois. Welcome to the show, Hervé. Thank you very much, Pablo. What an intro. Very good. I didn't know that you had problems uh, uh, pronouncing Madison's name. That's uh, that, that, that's a lot Such of an easy last name, too. Yeah. That's yeah. wow. Really overthinks it. Hervé, you broke me, bro. Like, I, literally, <laughs> the, first, the first year and a half, I was like, Greg was like, man, you, you're so good at names. You're really good at names. And then the Hervé fiasco happened. And, right. uh, and now fiasco. like, I'm known for not knowing last names or first right. names or, or whatever. Right. So yeah. like, gotta write it down. <laughs> we thank the community is in the house, checking in the chat. They love you, Hervé. I can't wait to get into this. I yeah. want to welcome you. If you're listening as a podcast listener, we love you listening. I love you listening. I want to hear from you and you should hear this right now. You're doing it wrong. Go to nyais.com, put it in the calendar, just, just show up one time. I promise you it's as fun as it sounds. And you're going to get your own nickname. You're going to get your name butchered by me. It's going to feel oh, yeah. real, real special. <laughs> and, and, and when that happens, it's it's in the roll call. You ready for the roll call, Irvin? Right, let's go to the roll call. Roll call, man. That's right. part Madison of the show. That's part of the show. The roll call, baby. <laughs> roll call, baby. All right. Good Madison call. says, welcome to the Not Your Average Investor Show. Carl Thompson says, good morning, everyone from sunny Colorado. John Henning says, good afternoon, all. Drew Barnhill, the ringmaster of the Not Your Average 
Investor Show community says, Ip, Ip, Irving. I like that too. That's, that's creative. Leo, who is now on my list of, I need to figure out how to say your last name, Ferreganen, Ferreganen. God, Leo, good morning from all rainy, I, I, from rainy California. Bill Shields says, Buenas tardes, damas y caballeros. Welcome, Bill Shields. Lee Bishop says, Irve, hello, brother. Hello, Pablo. And hello, Madison. Lovely as ever. By the way, I'm not going to pronounce a single H on this entire call. So he's a hello, Irve. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Curry says, part of the crew reporting in from Columbus, Ohio, Dean Curry. Uh, we got Jen Filson, the fairy godmother of the Not Your Average Investor Show community, saying, yeah, hey, J- JWB families, Irve is here. Uh, <laughs> so we, got, we got Nadim Shah saying, hello, Irve. Hello, Madison. Good morning. Good afternoon, JWB family. Ken Maline, the patriarch of the first family of the Not Your Average Investor Show, he says, Good or I gotta, it's raining finally here in California. Kemaline, welcome to the show. I'm not sure what that was supposed to say. <laughs> Lewis Udnell says, morning from Millipedes, California. Uh, who else we got? Eddie Harris says, hello, from Atlanta. Um, I don't know why I'm giving you a British accent, but it's easier to pronounce things without H's when uh, yeah. when I'm saying it in a British accent. Governor. Atlanta, got you. Nice. <laughs> Atlanta. We got right. Noah Randari saying, hello, everybody. Greetings from California. <laughs> And uh, anybody else in the chat checking in? Sean Anna says, hello, everybody from Ampton Roads. <laughs> Miguel Angel Sanudo says, hola a todos. Hola, Miguel Angel. Good to have you. Carolyn Millian, the matriarch of the First Family of the Natural Average Investors community, says, hello from California. I think I'm, I'm going way too long on the Sergio Prieto. I always got to say what's up there. Sergio Prieto. Go Gators. What's up, Herve? He says. And Bradley Long says, hello from Jack's first timer. Bradley, welcome to the show. First this time. is usually how it goes. I, I act like an idiot for about a couple minutes, and now you're going to learn a ton about real estate and uh, <laughs> real estate investors. So I, I hope I hope you join us often. And now, my favorite segment of the Not Traveling Investor Show, Madison shares good news. Madison, what do you got? All right. So it's not so much good news this week. It's not Uh-oh. bad news like Craig always gives. It's more so... <laughs> A cool story. Um, kind of give the testament of the culture of JWB and the type of teammates we have here. So we were, after last Thursday's show, we were standing out waiting for lunch and one of our newer teammates, Manny, comes up and he was um, introducing him, talk, talking to Greg. Turns out Manny found JWB through a podcast um, Greg did, uh, not ours. He was, I think it was like Florida Investing Podcast, something like that. Listen to it. Love the message Greg gave. Um, wanted to learn more about the company. Fell in love with the culture. Applied, and now he is one of our newest leasing agents. So he is a part of the team here. Loving the podcast. Um, he's awesome. So I just thought that was a really cool story to share with you guys as a testament of kind of behind the scenes of the type of people we have here at JWB. So. That's an awesome story. I love, I love the power of content. And it was the Invest Florida. I have it saved here. I got to listen to it. I actually haven't mm-hmm. listened to it yet. Invest Florida podcast, episode 244. Yep. But yeah, we're out there. We're out there like the food trucks there. And yeah. he just comes up and is like, hey man, I uh, listened to you in a podcast a month ago. I applied to work and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, I applied and you guys sent it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Since you guys like, look okay, at every well. single resume that comes in, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Like, welcome, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, love so. it. Love it. That's a good right. story. That, by the way, Madison, I disagree. It's not not good news. That is good it's news. It's pretty good news. That is it's good not news. my normal news. news but it's right. abnormally yeah. good news. It's abnormally <laughs> yeah. good news. There we go. 
<laughs> All right. I'm super impressed with the culture here. Madison, thank you for sharing that good news with us. You're good to go. Irve, are you ready to are you ready to carry this, man? We don't have GC. You think you're up for this? Come on, man. You know this, man. Come on, man. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin all day long. (laughs) All right, I'll be Robin. Batman and Robin. We'll figure that out at the end of the show. But you know, hey, we got this. (laughs) Irve, what's your what's your story, man? What so you are you're a sophisticated real estate investor. You're out there doing deals. What kind what kind of stuff do you invest in these days? I don't know if I'm not gonna call myself an expert real estate investor, man. I'm in I'm in the lane of learning and growing as much uh, as everyone else. Um, I love to get out there and network, shake hands, meet people. Um, as you know, in real estate, so many different ways to skin and cat, so many different, um, you know, shiny nickels out there, if you would, if, if, if you want to call it that, on, on how to invest. Um, I start off, I'm sure probably how a lot of people might have started off by doing a couple of fix and flips. I hated it. We'll never do it again. Some people do it great and hats off to you. Uh, but I realized not only from a work level, but also from uh, a portfolio level, it was not the kind of real estate that I was interested in. So I was like, all right, you know, that nickel is not so shiny for me. It's really dull. So I got to find something else. Right. And, you know, through uh, fortune builders, obviously learned more about rental property investing, turnkey property investing, <clears throat> and got to know you guys from them. And, um, you know, it was an eye opener, but it was also a head scratcher. It's like, because I wasn't, I'm not in Florida, I'm not in Jacksonville. Um, I'm like, my goodness, how does this work with me being up here in the Northeast and these guys managing the homes? I'm like, so, you know, the conversation started and started and started. Um, I got more familiar, started doing more research just in general on the topic of turnkey rental rents, right? And then once I started to get, to know you guys. And, you know, we were saying it earlier, I, I think one of, certainly you guys have many strengths. Uh, one of the strengths is that you are just in Jacksonville. I know you get questioned a lot. How come you guys don't replicate what you do in Tampa or Memphis or Orlando or something else like that? But I'm telling you right now, if you are a new investor, I think it's very comforting to know that JWB only manages homes in Jacksonville, because that means you know that they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the market. You guys are tied into the community. You've got the ears of the politicians. You're investing in the city, right? I can't think of many companies like yours that are investing in the city in which they are buying homes, fixing them up, turning around and selling them to investors and then from there managing them and whatnot. So I think that's very, very impressive. And so with my property manager at the time. So I started up, my wife and I, with JWB in 2018. So I have that, and then we'll go into the details on that, you know, a little bit later. So if we draw a line down a sheet of paper, my portfolio of JWB homes is inside my uh, retirement account. On the other side of that, in regards to how I keep the lights on on a daily basis, I work with, like you mentioned earlier, the DeRosa Group, and we do syndications of large multifamily apartment complexes, um, and we target markets specifically in the South, Southeast. So right now, we have a lot of our properties in North Carolina and in Kentucky. The head of the group, Matt Faircloth, got started 15 years ago, 16 years ago with his wife, Liz, um, in in, in uh, DeRosa Group. They start off in uh, New Jersey and then branched off. I think we, we number our deals. So there's been DeRosa Capital One through what we're actually raising for right now, 16. But DC8 was the first large multifamily that they started with. That was a 198-unit apartment complex in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I joined DeRosa Group in 2019. So 
um, about a year after I started with JWB. And I met, you know, uh, Matt um, at a local RIA meeting. I was telling you I like to go out and network. So I go out and I start meeting folks and shaking hands and whatnot. And I'm seeing him, you know, he's kind of like, you know, if you want to call him almost like a politician of the RIA meeting, he goes around and shakes people's hands and gets to know people and so on and so forth. So after, you know, seeing him every time, you know, for five, six months, we're at the holiday party and he starts asking, he says, hey man, what's your long-term? What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to get into large multifamily. I flipped a couple of homes. I hated it. You know, I want to get into rentals. It's all about cash flows for me and so on and so forth. And he invited me to, to, to join the company really to spearhead their acquisitions. I think that they were looking at properties all over the country. They know that they needed, the, they, they knew that they needed the kind of home down focus. What markets do we want to invest in? Um, and, you know, I had told him about my, you know, Wall Street background, being a research analyst, being a salesperson. And, you know, so I just started applying a lot of my skill set to that. All right. What markets do we want to invest in um, and why? And, you know, the one, the one I would think common denominator that the one understanding was we were not going to go into these so-called tier one primary cities um, like Atlanta, Dallas, Charlotte, uh, Tampa, Phoenix, and so on and so forth, because we knew we couldn't compete there. We knew that the, you know, returns were compressing and so on and so forth. So we focused on the secondary markets, uh, which is why we are in, let's say, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We're in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, the bourbon capital of the world. So I, you know, what it's it's been a lot of fun since I joined in 2019. Um, we've done six deals, and you know cool. when you talk about large multifamily apartment complexes, you know six is a good number. I mean that if you do two to three years a deal, excuse me, two to three a year, it's pretty good. And obviously that was through the pandemic as well um, and whatnot, which slowed things down. But then we picked it up again. So. Um, we just closed our largest deal that we had ever done um, three weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. 670 unit um, apartment complex spread between Winston-Salem and Lexington. Um, and then we're in the midst of a deal right now. So it's it's been a lot of, it, I've been learning like crazy. Um, it's great because I get to keep one foot in regards to what's going on in the single family world, specifically in the Jacksonville market, because that's a big part of my portfolio. And then of course, what's going on in the multifamily world, where I would eventually like to go, and within DeRosa, um, if I had not been, if I had not gone through a career in Wall Street, I probably would have been a teacher. I, I just, I love to teach, I love to educate, and so I want to develop an educational component inside DeRosa Group, and not for any crazy big fees, but just really to teach folks yeah. that are interested really just the, the ABCs and the basics and how to get started. I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of misunderstanding. You know, real estate investing isn't really corralled. It's not structured. We don't learn it in the schools like we learn our other subjects as well, which I think is a major disadvantage. And so a lot of it is left up to existing investors and to ourselves, to teach ourselves. And yeah. as we know, there's podcasts and videos and books and conferences. Um, and there's coaching programs, right? And uh, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, um, I would really like, I've done a little bit of it already. It's kind of what spurred me to do the market hunter. Um, yeah. Not necessarily educational, but really it was educational for me because I get to learn about investing in other real estate markets. Folks talk to me about their different real estate strategies and so on and so forth. I implement some and I don't others, which is fine, but um, I want to definitely get into 
the educational component of real estate and even from there extending into the volunteering um, as well. So that, uh, yeah, man, that's that that's that's where I where I've been and where I am and kind of like where I like to go to. Well, I got good news for you, bro. You're about to get right into the educational component right now as our guest investor. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So here's how it's going to go. We're going to throw on the property of the week. Let's hop into the educational section. This is your big, this is your big educational launch right here, Arve. You ready? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Right. Put me on the spot here. Let's go. All right. So we are magically whisked away to 3043 Post Street, Jacksonville, Florida, 32205. Purchase price of two hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. For that, a, I'm just kidding. For, <laughs> what is what is two hundred seventeen thousand dollars get you, in New Jersey? Can't see it. No. <laughs> What's put this big ass tree in front of me? What's going on? That's right. That's right. Whose idea was that? Three three bedroom, one bathroom home with a three bedrooms in that thing. Come on. Three bedroom, three be- three spacious bedrooms. It's got a <laughs> lease of one thousand four hundred and fifty dollars, and it is a estimated cash flow. When you use conventional financing of $102 and an estimated cash flow total ROI of 6.42%. Hervé, as you know, our boy GC, he's a prepared man. So he sent in his, what does GC love about this property? I'm going to read it off right now. GC loves that it's already rented. Okay. That it's cash flow positive on day one. What's not to love there? It's got a buyer credit of 4356 um, and that's because right now it's under rented for $363. So the one-year credit, what that does 12. is yep. make, yeah, through June, 2012, it'll offset that turn expense and, um, and make the investor whole. And JWB floats that because it is in the best interest of the investor and the resident and JWB as well to keep them in that home and keep it going so that when it turns next time, you get back up to market rent. I think I'm explaining that correctly. I'm not really sure. It's also, it also had a full gut renovation done in 2017. It's located in the Murray Hill area, which I don't know how much you know Jacksonville Hervé, but Murray Hill is kind of like the hipster spot, right? Like that's the, that's the next wave of um, urban renewal that's happening. So it's seeing a ton of growth with new restaurants. Like I got a bunch of friends right now that just moved there because they like to walk to like the cool spots. So it's in this like really up and coming area where people, where young families are moving to, where, where, uh, where like the trends are being set in Jacksonville. So that is what GC loves about this property. When you look at this thing, man, what do you, what are you looking for when, when somebody puts a, a sheet like this in front of you when you're dealing with JWB? What, what am I looking for? Well, listen, I mean, obviously, I, I, I always go to the table on the right. Is this thing positive cash flow? These, these numbers are healthy. These numbers are healthy. You know, even on the non-recourse side, $297 a month, um, you know, probably because you're putting down a larger down payment because it's a non-recourse loan. Obviously, typically, you have to put down 45, 50% down payment um, at, versus a conventional loan. So, um, listen, good cash flow and whatnot. Now, you know, one of the things I been thinking about a lot um, over the past several months, I'm sure a lot of us has, is because the price of these homes obviously been going up. You know, that that that's the market, not much having to do with, with JWB. You guys obviously build a great home and things like that. But the, the, the cash flow margins have been getting squeezed a little bit, right? No big surprise. So always thinking about, you know, what can be done, you know, um, to go ahead and try to improve that cash flow kind of a thing. And so what's that rent? 1450 it's listen this is good uh do you 
property management fee, and there's no HOA dues. So no HOA dues, which is a good thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in my perspective, right? Because, I mean, that just kind of helps out the cash flow that much more. And then you have that credit, like you said, um, yep. because of the difference in regards to, you know, where the rents are versus, um, you know, where the rents for the market are um, and things like that. So this is a 1940. Okay, hold on now. This is a 1940 build. All right, now we know. Well, now listen, we know JWF family knows this is 1940. But what you guys have been showing for a while over the past few weeks has been new builds, right? That's right. So this is a 1940 build, right? So listen, you guys renovate as good as anyone out there right now. So I'm guessing that the electric, the piping, the plumbing has all been upgraded to code and so on and so forth. I think a buyer of this house is going to have to think about the maintenance um, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Perhaps not early on because I'm guessing it's been fully renovated. Um, If it's just, it's, well, it's, 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 it's coming on the market for sale, but like you said, there is a tenant already living in the house Mm -hmm. uh, kind of a thing. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably something I would think about. Listen, if you want me to get technical, um, I mean, I'm joking about the tree, Pablo, but um, I'm thinking about the roots, right? Okay. As clo- uh, yeah, I was wondering, I was wondering why I hate tree. Yeah, but, I, know, I love trees. I love trees. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm just thinking as big as that tree is, how sprawled out are the roots, okay. you know, as it's sitting as close as it is to that house. And again, it being a 1940 house, I'd love to see if you had pictures of the interior but again, I'm assuming you guys did a great job renovating it. Looks like a new roof, uh, at least from this photo. Someone said detached garage. Yep. Um, you know, which is all fine and well. So, hey, listen, at the end of the day, um, like you guys have always said, and Greg always said, don't fall in love, right, with the photos, with the, with the pictures. You know about the neighborhood. We see the numbers here. The numbers are very attractive. You know, I'm sure leases are only going to go up. Rents are only going to go up in this neighborhood because, you know, of the nightlife. And that's where... The hipsters love to live. So, yeah, man, I am maintenance rate. I am a uh, I'm a buyer. I'm a cool. I'm a I'm a buyer of this one. Two seventeen. I would I would like to compare that purchase price to some new builds that you may have. Not, you know, and okay. if you don't have that, fine. I'm just saying, just in general. Like, if I was going to do a deep deep dive sure. on, am I going to you know pull the trigger to buy this one? I would compare it. Um, to other homes that you may have in inventory that is at a, you know, similar price. Yeah. So, all right. So that's good, man. So you're right, right? A couple of things that you said. Uh, Number one, cash flow is getting squeezed and returns are getting squeezed thanks to home price appreciation and uh, interest rates going up, right? That is the state of the market right now. If you would have looked at this house, Six months ago, a year ago, I wouldn't have mm. been surprised to see this house at like 190, you know, or something like that, right? Because there has been such such great appreciation, and this and the other ROIs that we were putting out there, like a year ago, when we said things were going to start to get squeezed. This probably would have been somewhere about like an eight percent or a nine, right? Like with the stuff that we were showing on the property of the week was closer to that. And as the market continues to develop, you know, I think it's pretty clear for all of us that. These ROIs, these cash flows are getting squeezed. We're having to look at the five profit centers in a, in a deep fashion in order to really understand it and compare it to other asset classes. So I think that's a really good point. We did say that this thing was completely gutted in 2017, right? So it's like fully rebuilt from the inside in 2017, even though it was built in 1940, right? So, and the maintenance rate down here, this is something we haven't hit on for a while on the show, right? It's the JWB data flywheel, right? This idea that because they own and operate, 
and manage over 4,000 homes in Jacksonville, these rates are all accurate to the type of build, neighborhood, and specific things, right? Like, I, I don't know if when you were looking at other homes and whatnot, people were using a kind of like a table for saying, oh, maintenance rate is should be around 6% or 5% or, or whatever they use. If you look at the different property sheets that JWB offers, mm-hmm. maintenance rates are accurate to the exact like style of construction at home. So while this one is like 7.5%, it's a higher maintenance rate than you're going to see in the new builds that are 4%. But sure. the good news is all that is priced into this thing that you're buying, right? Yeah, like, I, I love that this is where you first went. You went to, Yo, you yeah. went to the cash analysis, right? So. Right. And and right. we talk a lot about it on the show of like the standardization of um, how JWB has controlled for all these outside variables in these numbers that they create and under promise over deliver. So really, this is where you go. What I want to what I want to dive into yeah. with you, Ray, is the sure. fact that you kind of mentioned this. You own six properties with JWB. You've yep. also done six uh, syndication deals, kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's your number. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to say anything about that. And, uh, but, but you buy them, you, you've bought them in your retirement account, right? Yes. You bought properties in, in this, like what we call non-recourse. non-recourse. That's right. Yeah. You want to talk about what's different about that versus uh versus conventional return or buying it in cash? Yeah. I mean, you know, non-recourse. Um, so again, typically, and I'm sure the JWP family knows non-recourse, um, you're being asked, I think I said earlier, to put a larger down payment, right? Anywhere between 40 to 50% down payment towards that, right? Because it's a non-recourse loan. So in the event that something goes wrong with payments, you know, to talk, start talking foreclosure, they can't come, you know, after your own personal assets. They can only come after uh, what's in that non-recourse loan. In this situation, it would be this house, right? And so they know that there's not much more collateral behind this home, which is why it's a higher down payment as well as a much higher interest rate. So with the approved lenders that you guys offer to JWB investors, you know, one of them, they put out, I think it's like at seven and three quarters percent, the mortgage rate that they offer you on, on new purchases um, and things like that. And then the conventional is the conventional, right? Whatever your, your credit rating is and, and so on and so forth, they take a look at the rest of your portfolio and that conventional rate is going to be much lower than a non-recourse rate as well. You put down a much less down payment. This is why Greg has been pushing for so many months, hey, go ahead and get into these homes now before rates start increasing. Think about doing your refi now when rates are still low before they start increasing so you can use that down payment to go ahead and buy another house and so on and so forth. The thing is, is that this is a very good monthly cash flow for non-recourse homes. It's really good. And it's going to be higher versus if it were a newer build where your monthly cash flow is not as much because it's going to come in with a higher purchase price and whatnot. The insurance on this one may wind up being a little higher. This was insurance, 1006 This is a little higher when I can think about properties that I have in my portfolio, which actually is you know, seven, 800, depending on the home um, kind of thing. So this is higher, but it's higher probably because again, it's a 1940 build. So that's what you're going to typically see, you know, in these older homes is higher insurance and whatnot. So um, not recourse. It's, listen, it's not for everyone. It works for me in regards to my financial strategy, my portfolio. If you want <laughs> insurance rates will be arriving in your mail soon. Um, if, you know, if you want, I can, I can go into how I'd started building my portfolio in non-recourse. And Lee is 100% right. Make sure you do have reserves in your non-recourse. Lee brings up a good point in that we have to remember 
one thing you just cannot do, IRS codes, is that you cannot commingle your funds, the mm -hmm. funds that you have in your non-recourse account versus um, funds that you have, let's say, in your savings account. So any kind of maintenance um, expense needs to come out of your non-recourse accounts. Your rental income, your cash flows goes into your non-recourse account. You can't take money from your you know, Chase account or Bank of America account and put it into your non-recourse account. So complete separation. So yes, that's why it's important to have, you know, reserves, especially when it comes to turns and things like that, uh, which I have a couple going on um, this year. So it's, this is, like I said, I like the cash flow. I haven't seen a cash flow this high. I got a spreadsheet up taking a look at some of mine. Yeah, this is, this one is higher cash flow on all of, versus all of my properties except one. And sure enough, the one that's a little bit higher is also an older build uh, versus some of the new ones that I bought yeah. from JWB over the past few years. That right there is what I call a golden nugget that we're going to clip out and post on the JWB YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube, check it out. And while you're at it, you may have noticed that this is being done live in front of an audience. If you want to be part of the show, Go to nyais.com, that's Not Your Average Investor Show, nyais.com, register, and join us on a Tuesday or Thursday at 12.30 Eastern. Trust me, it's as fun as it sounds. Now let's get it back to me and GC kicking it with our Not Your Average Investor homies. That's interesting, man. So I want to double click on a couple of things and then let's get into that strategy that you're talking sure, about, sure, right? Sure, sure, so, sure. So the first thing I want to double click into is number one, non-recourse. That means you're purchasing something inside your retirement account. That's something I had no idea one mm -hmm. could do, right? Like this idea that you can buy investment properties inside your IRA, inside your 401k, as long as you have like a, a self-directed 401k. I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Self-directed IRA. Why, so yeah. right, right, right. Or That's why you're talking about you can't co-mingle things. It just has that's to be correct. in there and you got to have its own reserves. Um, right. But if you're new to the show, that's something that you can look into, um, right. which I find very interesting. Another thing that you talked about, right? Like I, I love that we're hitting this. Um, higher insurance, higher mm -hmm. maintenance. Yet mm -hmm. cash flow and all these returns are the same because these properties are all baked to make the entire, you know, the recipe, what you end up getting is this, these returns, these rates, that these, all these different numbers and inputs are just the ingredients. And what mm -hmm. JWB controls for is for this, the cash flow and the returns based on all the ingredients that you put into here. So I just think that that's really interesting that we went in and we're like, oh man, insurance is high and maintenance is high, but because um, the price is going to be a little bit lower because the rent's going to be a little bit higher, right? Like it all, it all ends up coming out to the same kind of recipe meal at the end, which is what JWB selling. And then the last thing that I was going to get into is real quick, the five profit centers of rental property investing, which are the cash flow piece, Right, that you see here. This is the monthly cash flow, mm -hmm. the debt pay down, the idea that when your tenant yep. is in there, they're paying down your mortgage and building your equity, the tax savings that a JWB can provide, the appreciation that you get from a home, and in and inflation hedging. And I just kind of wanted to show the the fact that we don't include appreciation rate. Now I'm saying right. like I work right. for JWB, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm in the house now. No, okay. um, uh, that that JWB doesn't show appreciation rate on this on this thing. Do you want to? I know that you've watched the show. You want to take a crack at, at explaining the whole like 0% appreciation rate, how you should factor appreciation into 
into your long-term investing and then we do the, the leverage trick and then we go on? Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, and, and I know because JWB, Greg always says you guys like to be conservative. And so that's why you just kind of keep it at zero. But then you turn around and, you know, you can show folks, hey, what do the returns look like if you take the appreciation rate up to, I think it's four and a half percent for Jacksonville over the cycle, 4.4 percent, something like that over the cycle. Right. So you can go ahead and you can you can go ahead and put that in, um, you know. And listen, it's always fun to see. It's always great to see and whatnot. I'm sure a lot of us have our spreadsheets. You like to see what the value of your home is at any given time. So you go to Zillow, you go to Redfin, and you put in the address, and boom, there's a number. Like, wow, look at all the appreciation, you know, over the past couple of years. But this is over a life cycle. It's not a one year when you put in the appreciation and so on and so forth, right? But you know, in, a, in an outsized year like you had last year, when you you, you appreciation 10, 15 percent in Jacksonville, something like that. You know, you 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 cap. <clears throat> excuse me, cash flows. Try normal. twenty. Try twenty, bro. Bro, twenty, twenty, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, twenty. So, right? yeah. So, 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 you know, when it's time to go ahead and get that new tenant in, all of a sudden you're going to be putting that new tenant in at a much higher rent level over the next couple of years. What's impressive about this property, I got to admit, even though it's a 1940 build, and I know it's been renovated, it was renovated back in 2017. This rent of 1413 to 1488, that's the rent of some of your new builds. Yeah. Right. I mean, so that's what's kind of pressing. You know, if you have this one on top of your in, in your portfolio, you know, you're going to have a lower mortgage on this one because the purchase price is a little bit lower. Yeah. Man. Good breakdown. Good breakdown from the analyst. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the one thing I'm going to show is, you know, how we talk about the appreciation thing is you don't count on appreciation unless you, you are on. in unless you're in for a full market cycle. Right. If you're investing long term, if you're buying this thing for five years. You know, you, you're better off thinking zero and like the rest is a bonus. Sure, sure, but if sure, you're in sure. it for a full market cycle, you know, uh, history has shown you're a data analyst that you can count on appreciation being the same in a, like, about a 20 year period um, in a local market. And Jacksonville is one of those markets that's cash flow positive and has a higher than average home price appreciation, which is normalized to 4.6%. So if you're thinking long term, um, you put this in here, and again, you can download this sheet. Uh, Madison shared it a couple of times in the chat, and boom, the uh, wow. ROI jumps to almost yeah. 24%. That's the the power of leverage, right? The idea power that right. you're putting in just 25%, you're still getting the appreciation from the other 75%. So the actual, you know, like return, return you get is based on that. Absolutely. So, all right, Herve, you know what I want to do, man? I do want to I do want to go into the exercise of your strategy. So what I want to do is <laughs> okay. bring up bring up your portfolio. Let's okay. talk through it. Here's your portfolio. Um, you have these KPIs. Now you've invested in all of yours have been the have been in um inside your retirement account, right? Yes. So yes. your these lifetime returns that we're seeing are inside non-recourse financing, uh, meaning that you're not getting the the tax saving, right? Yeah, the tax benefit part of it, which inflates it as well. And this is again contained inside of it, compared to the property we were just looking at that has a two point three three percent ROI right. on on that. This has been your return so far four point seven eight percent. You've been with JWB for a little a little under four years, right? Like three point eight years mm -hmm. lifetime net rental income in these three point eight years of forty eight thousand fifty one five eighty one. And a lifetime total ROI so far of fifty eight thousand eight twenty. How does that does that does that match up with your spreadsheet? I know that you were just referencing your own your own numbers and whatnot. How does how does that look in comparison? Uh, yeah, I think so. I you know I don't track um, net rental income 
I don't track lifetime return. I'm not going to lie to you. And I, I was telling you this before. I really don't care about lifetime yeah. return. I'm not a portfolio manager. You can't take lifetime return to the bank. Okay. Right. So, so what I, do you care about? But, but I appreciate that you guys put it there because it's nice to see. It's nice to see. Yeah. But it, so I um, focus really on uh, cash flow. You know, what is my net cash flow on a monthly basis on all of my properties? And I focus on that based on the strategy that I use to go ahead and build out my portfolio at JWB and how I can go ahead and continue to accelerate that cash flow. So those are the more important metrics um, for me. The lifetime total return, I haven't been able to dip into because it is in my retirement portfolio. It's nice to see lifetime net rental income. And I could probably only say to that figure that, um, you know, it's in the black, it's positive, right? So none of the properties are in the red, none of them are negative, which is outstanding, right? And that's, I think, the power of really working with you guys and how you guys manage properties and, you know, put them together and so on and so forth and, you know, renting them out. So seriously, kudos. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to blow smoke. It's that, that's, that's kudos. I wouldn't have been able to do this by my damn self. Let's just. I mean, we were talking about this before the call, right? Like yeah. this, how you approach this thing as like a total, like right, right now, these are your six properties, right? Like, yeah. Yep. Um, you were kind of giving me like a comparison of just like how passive this is versus your Netflix stock. You want to kind of, how do you see that piece? I said, what you said? Do you want to just kind of like tell us how you, how you view yeah. this thing as, as a passive investment? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the method I have been using is that um, as it's shown here, 5727 Carnation was bought cash. The other two, were bought at the same time, 1413 Melson and 71 and Matthew Street, right? So those three were bought um, right around the same time. And it's pretty much the C3X method, um, which is taking the cash flows of all three properties and using that to go ahead and pay down the principal balance of the house that has the lowest um, mortgage balance. So I've been doing that since 2018. With that, of course, what results is that the equity just completely skyrockets in that house that you're accelerating the principal pay down. You blew my mind twice. This was the first one, right? Like okay. the second thing okay. you're about to say is even more mind blowing, right? But the idea that you bought these three properties all in the summer of 2018. Yes. And by May of 2020, just two years you yes. were able to take enough cash out of those to buy a third property. Mm -hmm. And then just two years, I mean, a year and a half later, you were able to take enough money out of those to buy two more properties, right? Like no more cash right. in. The cash that came out of your retirement account originally were for these three properties. Right. And in three years, 3.8 years, right? We were just talking about you've been 3.8 years. Sure. Your three properties have had three babies. Right, like yes. without you having to put anything else back into it. That's right? right. That's right. So, so that to me is freaking incredible, right? Like, like yeah. I, I did not know that I'm not a sophisticated real estate investor. I had no idea that this is feasible at this right. speed, right? Yes. So, yes. so, yes. so that's that's really fascinating to me. And you did this by what Lee put in the Q and A. You're using the three C3X method, right? You are strategically right. looking at the house that has the least amount of equity to pay off, paying that off with all the, instead of, right. So like my portfolio, I have two homes and I'm mm -hmm. just taking and paying the rent comes in from one home. It pays off my, it pays off my mortgage and I More keep the fair. cash. The right. second one rent comes in, pays off my mortgage. I keep the cash. You're taking the three 
rental payments from the three people, looking at zeroing in on one uh, mortgage note and That's paying right. that down as quickly as possible to right. build as much equity as you can right. to take out that equity to buy more homes. That's right. That's incredible, man. Is that just your analyst brain? How did you decide to take action on that? Was that from the yeah. beginning you were going to make that strategy? I mean, here's the thing is that it, it really helps to have a goal. I didn't necessarily go into my first purchase or first three purchases with JWB saying, I have a goal to own 10 houses or five houses. I did not have that goal. I went in saying, let me see how this works. I get it, the market, JWB. So I did all that background. So I was like, okay, then I committed. But when I committed, I didn't have necessarily a goal on number of houses I want to have or certain number of monthly cash flow. I just wanted to see how. And so as it grew and grew, then I started started studying C3X. And I was like, wait a minute. So probably two to three months after I purchased the first three homes, I started doing that accelerated principal pay down method. And sure enough, man, it's a beautiful thing when you get that bank statement in the mail and it shows you how quickly your mortgage balance has dropped because you've accelerated the principal payment. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Then I'm thinking in my head, all right, 75% loan to value is what the bank typically wants, you know, sometimes even lower than that for non-recourse or whatnot. So that's what enabled me to go ahead and purchase the home on Francis Avenue. Um, and all the while, I was just accelerating the principal pay down on one home, Carnation Road. When it got down to, you know, I think I had a, I don't know, a twenty or $30,000 balance left on Carnation Road, I said, let me go ahead and do another refi. And oh, by the way, in doing these refis, uh, Pablo, you don't need to use the approved lenders of JWB for the refis. Now, I remember yeah, when- let's, we, let's get into that. Let's get yeah, into that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you, got, you got this strategy kind of baked in over time. Right. Now you've unlocked this other thing, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to set the context and it's the idea that one of the, one of the things, one of the most questions that we get often on this show is this idea of like, why can't I use my own lender? Why does JWB have only like a select group of lenders? Is it because they get a cut? Is it they're not? Greg always explains this idea that exactly. not every, not every lender knows how to close this deal. Right. right? So like, so right. they have these people that they know that can close the deal that de-risks the closing for the investor and for JWB as well. Um, but, and, and those, they're, they're not necessarily the ones with the best rates. They're just the best likelihood to close. And it's already baked into the thing that you're buying, but you've discovered something else. Go. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that you don't, when it's time for you to do a cash out refi on your homes, that you do not need to go back to the approved lenders of JWB to do that. Then it's just a matter of finding a lender that is willing to go ahead and do that cash out refi. Now, I'm not going to lie. That took a lot of research. That took a lot of homework. I actually had to go through a mortgage broker. Now, when Lee was on, I think a few weeks ago, I think he had said something that when he had done his refi, he did go back to the approved lender. I wasn't sure you could do that or anything. I remember going to one of the approved lenders, asking if I could do a refi. They had told me no. So I said, okay, cool. I get it. Let me go ahead and find another approved lender. I'm not going to lie, Pablo. In the, in the spirit of full transparency, there are fees associated with going through a mortgage broker that's going to find you a lender that will do a refi on a home that's inside a non-recourse. That's why you know some lenders don't want to touch it because it is non-recourse kind of a thing. But other lenders are okay with it. And you're probably going to see the bigger ones that have you know bigger capital balance and so on and so forth. 
Um, so yeah, I used um, um, a broker, found the lender, you know, again, paying the fees, but to me, the fees was not going to slow me down from doing this process because in my mind, I'm thinking this is going to be the quickest way for me to improve my cash flow yeah. on a monthly basis. So if I want to start this process again, I can. I mean, I can't imagine what, I don't know what fee you could charge me that makes me think it's not worth it to get two more properties without putting any extra money in. Like Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just the cost of doing business. So, so the, the, thing, the thing I wanted to point out there, right, is this idea that um, yeah, JWB controls the transaction for the experience. But one of the one of the things that I think people misunderstand the most, and another question we get a lot is like, who owns this home when you buy it? Right? Like, is this a syndication that you're buying off of JWB? It isn't because you're you have bought these six homes outright. And yeah. once you own the home, you can do whatever you want, right? Like JWB right. absolutely JW is always gonna give you some advice, whatever, but you can right. do whatever you want. And in, in your case, you figured out that like. All right. So they can, they can give me the, they can give me the initial team to set it up. But once I have it, like I can go out and test whatever I want. And even though the initial lender who specializes in closing these deals was best for me at that point, right now, the best thing for me is a lender that knows how to refinance this thing at a better rate. And in under, you know, like under two years, you were able to pick up two more properties based on having identified this scenario. I find that that really, really fascinating. Cause I think that like, you know, if you were, if this money were, and I know you're in the syndications also, cause that has its own benefit, but yeah. if this money was like in a syndication, you wouldn't be able to like go do your own thing. Cause you don't like directly right. own don't control right. as, a, control as a controller. Right. So it's like a good distinction for people that are thinking, do I want a little bit of this or a little bit of that? Right. Like, I, Absolutely. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, the cash flow is going to jump again, the acquisition, rate uh, at seven and three quarters percent from one of the approved lenders from JWB. Um, when I refi, the refi, the, the, my rate will go from seven and three quarters percent down to 6.2 percent. That's significant, significant on homes that are generating, you know, 150, 200, $250 in cash flow. That's a significant yeah. drop in rates. So from one home, from doing one refi here on, uh, let's say, Calhoun Road, I'm going to be increasing my monthly cash flows by $110 per month just on one home from doing that refi. Same thing when I do the refi for Dwayne Avenue on Tuesday. I'm telling you, I close on these on February 1st. If I could have refi back on February 2nd, I would have. Yeah. The lenders and appraisers yeah. and blah, I got to yeah. wait for all that crap and everything. Yeah. And I was, that, that, and that's I, something I haven't said. You're about to refi something that you closed 60 days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still worth yeah. your while. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would have refied her earlier because in my mind, I'm like, yeah. damn, interest rates are going to go up. Yeah. I know these lenders are going to go, oh, wow, you know, you waited too long and the rates are up another 50 bips kind of a thing. So I said, yeah. let me refi now. If we're yeah. in a lower yeah. interest rate environment, I would have been able to buy myself some time. But I knew we were in a rising rate environment. So I wanted to refi right away. All right. Let's kind of give the highs and lows here of, of the rest of it. Right. So you know, what's funny is that all these numbers, like go back to this initial number, this is 4.78% based on just the stuff that you bought. But I don't I don't think that this 4.78% accounts for like three free homes. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's why I don't focus on it a lot. So it's kind of, it's kind of off. That makes sense, right? So, so now when the numbers by which JWB tells their, you know, tells their investors, 
Um, your highest ROI here of um, of this Carnation Road is six point seven three percent. That seems pretty good for a non recourse non recourse home, and um, pretty consistent year over year there, right? Like, and then the lowest one is this two point six percent on on Melson, which hmm. seems to have had a really like kick in the teeth twenty twenty one. Do 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 you know what happened there? I'm only the only thing I can think about. Is a turns. That's the only thing I can think about because I didn't, I haven't come out of my pocket big on any of these homes. I mean, it'd be maintenance to here, a maintenance thing here or there. Um, to be honest with you, my so-called problem child tenant was on Carnation Road. And they continue to sometimes don't pay in full and nothing, but it is what it is. Um, you know, it's just, just part of being an owner or something like that. So I mean, and that was the one that I bought in cash. This one was using non-recourse. So 2021, just last year, that's the only thing I can think of was there is a, a, a terms. That's interesting that you got six homes. You had a negative return year in 2021 and you have no idea because you're not even messing with it at all. And it's just taking care of itself. <laughs> there was never a month. There was never a month that they didn't pay rent or they didn't pay in full. That's why, you know, and that's, yeah. if I'm going to focus on something, it's like, okay, you pay in full, you, you pay on time, you pay in full, you know, maintenance expense here or there, you know, but that's the only thing I can think of for that one. I think it's a perfect illustration of the passive nature of this experience, right? Yes. Like I think, it's, I, think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool, man. All right. So then here are the, here are the five profit centers, right? You've had a total net rental income of 48,541. You yeah. got a goose egg on the tax savings because you're, because you're right. in the non-recourse space, right? Like you already took those tax savings when you save that thing off of your paycheck. Right. Um, your total principal pay down, this is interesting, man. I can't believe that you've refied and bought three homes off of refis and all your principal pay down has been is only seven thousand three hundred and forty dollars. Yeah. Like that's that doesn't yeah. you know, that's that's interesting. And yeah. your total home appreciation in three point eight years has been two hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. And that's over the six homes because I'm looking that's at over, yeah. that's over the six homes. So that wow. is more than the price of this home that we were looking at today. That, by the way, is available if anybody wants to pick it up. Yes. We forgot to say that piece. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> We've been selling right. out here like QVC style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So in just four years, two hundred, you know, two hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars worth of appreciation, yeah. and then the inflation hedging. Uh, I don't really know how to explain this stuff. This is where we really miss GC. I don't know if you know how to explain this, but he's got this consumer price index of eight point five percent, which I guess is like what you would be losing out on if you had it under a map. I don't know how to explain that. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, so I think GC, what he's trying to show here, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to maybe peek into his mind a little bit that, you know, we got inflation right now going on at eight and a half percent. Right. And so uh, on one hand, you're going to see that is definitely going to have an impact on the value of your home, right. You know, increasing. Yeah. Right. I think I was reading something the other day that the average price of a home in the United States right now is $400,000. And that's up from like $280,000 just a couple of years ago, which is insane. Absolutely insane. Now that's a, across the entire U S higher in some places, lower in others. Um, obviously. So you have a CPI of eight and a half percent. That's going to be a positive impact on the value of the home. That's also going to be a positive impact on, Rental income, because we know that rental income has been increasing. You're just showing that sheet on on, on the house uh, uh, with $1,450 in rent um, at, at $217,000 purchase price. So those should have positive impacts on those. And folks have to think about, hey, listen, if my money was not in a rental you know, property and instead it's just sitting in my savings account, 
then it's going to lose, right? My $100 is going to be $92 next year at 8.5% inflation kind of thing, right? Because of the value just declining like that, you know, less purchasing power. That's not the case. It can almost reverse for having rental properties uh, and, and whatnot. And again, that 8.5% is not going to be the only thing that impacts the value of your home. There's going to be other metrics, but that's definitely going to be, you know, that's definitely going to be one. So, um I think that that's, I was just about to use the word hedge. That is why you want to be in rentals in a rising inflationary market is because it is a hedge of you losing the value of your dollars by having it invested in an asset that shows not only increase in rental income, but also increase in property values. Guess what, Hervé? You just went full-on educator on me, bro. Did I? I hope I did. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I love it. That was great. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't get. I didn't curveball. understand. You helped. You helped me understand that, man. That was great. Thank you for. Thank you for the education. And um, on You're today's welcome. show, in honor of your silent H in your name, it's edging against inflation. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> the edging, which is which is another <laughs> word, but what we're gonna just it's pretend that you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. It's another word. It's another right. word. All right, yeah, Hervé. Now, yes. this, is, this is the secret sauce that GC likes to sprinkle in. First of all, thank you, thank you, Drew, for, for, for telling me that I'm supposed to compare these numbers right here and talk about like what really pops out, <laughs> as in you've made $268,000 in home price appreciation and the next biggest uh, profit center was $48,000. So like the idea that investing in a high growth market with great home price appreciation long-term that's where the majority of your your wealth comes from. And as long as you, it's not taking money out of your pocket, it's good. But GC goes as far as taking out the the, the holding and closing costs and the selling costs to to tell you what your total return would have been right now. Mm, And in in your client portfolio, you know, when you signed up as a client um, on these sheets, it would have said 4.1%. Your actual ROI has been 10.7% inside of your portfolio. And right. uh, are they beating expectations? Yes. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if you ever, ever did that calculation. How does that look to you? Are you, yes, are you like, I have, I have not done that calculation, but that calculation looks very attractive. I'll take that. I will definitely, definitely take that. Not yeah. including appreciation a lot. Right. So very impressive. Yeah. You, I mean, you were talking about as a stockbroker, like about like what if it, in, in stocks, um, this level of risk and passivity, 10.7%. Is that is that what you would expect out of a stock portfolio? You know what? Probably again. You know, it's it's not one hundred percent apples to apples comparison because you'd have to take the time into consideration. I would I would expect less when you start when you let me go, I know I'm, when you talk about real return because remember now in the stock portfolio if you sell right you, you're 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 now having to pay your capital gains tax right and so that could be a hit on your mm-hmm. performance right there, right? Um, you know, unlike here, a lot of tax savings, as we know, invent, investing in rental properties and so on. And then depending on if you have your LLC, self-directed and so on and so on. So a lot more tax savings investing in real estate versus investing in stocks. Look, you could have invested in Amazon or Apple or one of those FANG stocks or something like that, you know, and knocked it out the roof. But again, you don't get the tax shelter, you don't get the depreciation that we talk about, right? The whole five profit, uh, 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 saving center, and you don't have the volatility. If, if anything, again, if you're thinking about doing this inside your retirement portfolio, you don't like to see the volatility 
in your retirement portfolio um, at all. And so that's why I think you see more and more folks, they're, they're making moves out of their retirement portfolio, especially if you take a look at the stock market now and the volatility and got this you know, war in Ukraine going on. We're in a rising interest rate environment. You know, we're in a somewhat political year for later on this year. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of cross currents that is affecting the market right now um, uh, that that is more negative on stocks and the stock market than it is on real estate. We got to remember the real estate is in a, is a, is a holding real estate is a hedge against inflation. Holding stocks is not a hedge against inflation. Now you can start getting sector specific. Okay, I'm going to invest in oil stocks and oil funds and ETFs and so on and so forth. But we know that that whipsaws all over the place, right? So, yeah. um, so it's just a much more. I think you the risk reward benefits you more investing in real estate now, even though in a rising rate environment. But because we're also in this eight and a half percent inflationary environment versus investing in stocks right now. Spoken like an educator, like an analyst, like a well-spoken <laughs> man who knows what he's talking about. Herve, man, this has been a ton of fun, dude. If somebody, you know, our, our friends that were with us, we had 30 plus folks here in the community hanging out. We have our friends that are listening in the podcast. If they want to get in contact with Hervé Francois, they want more Hervé on their <laughs> Thursday. How do they reach out to you, man? Man, I'd say the best way is hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, that's more and more. I'm a little bit more active there and things like that. So LinkedIn, Hervé Francois, hit me up. I'll accept your, you know, whatever bat signal in the air or message or anything like that. We said Batman Robin started at the beginning of this, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let the crew decide. We'll let the crew decide. But yeah, that's the best way to probably hit me up on LinkedIn directly. I love it, man. I really appreciate doing this with you, dude. I uh, I told you before the show, right? Like if um, all things equal, right? Knowing that GC wasn't going to be here, knowing yeah. that Brandon wasn't going to be able to be my co-host. I was like, you know what, man? I am really pumped that it was Hervé coming on the show today because I love hanging out with you, man. I love your energy. Like, like appreciate I knew you, that this would be a great, great show. I want to thank the community, you know, taking on an hour out of your day on a Thursday to just come here and show up. And, and, and spend time connecting with each other and to chat, spend time asking great questions, never goes, never goes unnoticed uh, on this side of the mic. Um, I want to thank the podcast listening. If you're listening, make a little bit of time on a Tuesday or Thursday and show up. It's a lot, it's a, it's a lot more fun. Oh, yeah, and definitely. next Tuesday, you're a syndications guy. Next Tuesday, we got Paul Asajan from Fortune Builders. Oh, okay. It's going to give a primer on commercial portfolio investing through syndication. So you may want to check it out and then uh, hold his feet to the fire and, and uh, you know, be, yeah. be, make sure make sure he's not blowing any smoke up anybody here. But yeah, um, man, I'll keep should be an interesting show. Should be an interesting show. So, yeah, all right. All right. That's the end of the JWB Red Dragon Property of the Week. <laughs> Thanks for being us. See you on Tuesday. Until then, be more like Hervé. Don't be average. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Sending one of these episodes to a buddy or dropping us a review would be awesome. But what I really want you to do is go to nyais.com, register and join us live on a Tuesday or Thursday. Seriously, when are you going to do it? When are you going to be the next lead? 
The next Jen, the next Nadim, the next Ken, the next Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida, the next Hervé Francois, so I can butcher your name for a while and then become your buddy, the next Bill Shields to come up with a hilarious new way to introduce yourself every time I do the roll call. You get the point. We got a bunch of amazing folks. We want you to be a part of it. Join us live on the show. Go to nyais.com register join us at least one tuesday or one thursday a month at 12 30 i promise it's as fun as it sounds hope to see you on the show i promise you will not be treated like an average investor